0: That's a button. what
1: does it say This is a presentation of the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion a monkeys podcast.
0: Well, as we continue to celebrate the life and legacy of our good friend Peter Torque, we're joined now by a man who knew him as longer than almost as longer than I've been alive and was a collaborator and his bio lists him as a freelance human being and I can't think of a better human being, a man that I follow on Facebook, who I, uh, we, we share the same political philosophies as well as music. <laughs> I am thrilled to welcome, uh, albeit under the circumstances, to the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion Monkeys Podcast family, my friend, Peter's friend, Mr. James Lee Stanley. James, it's a pleasure to have you on here. I'm, I wish it were under better circumstances, but it's been a week now since Peter's untimely passing. How are you doing?
1: I'm uh, I'm all right, Alan. I I, I was telling you that the, I I get these waves of grief where I think I'm completely in charge, and then all of a sudden I'm weeping like a child for five minutes, and then it's released, and I'm I can go on for another you know 24 hours thinking I'm fine. Uh, Peter and I were friends for 56 years, so he was I mean he, long before the monkeys, he and I were buddies. He and I played music together. You know, and and uh, interestingly enough, I was out of the country while the monkeys phenomenon was going on, so I never really uh, experienced Peter as a monkey. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I mean, during during their uh, during the apex of their of their fame in the TV show, but I must admit that uh, that since his passing, I've I've gotten a glimpse of the uh, of the celebrity side of him, which you know, because I knew him as. My buddy Peter for so long, mm-hmm. I never really got that he was a you know worldwide celebrity. Absolutely, because because he was family. You know, I mean, he he stayed at our house. So I mean, he came and wowed my parents. Uh, gosh, in 1964, I think he he came and stayed at the house and uh, and played some really fun music. He played the Flight of the Bumblebee on the piano, and my parents were floored. <laughs> Yeah, and then uh, in 1965, I opened a nightclub called the Folk Ghetto in Norfolk, Virginia. I opened it because I'd been playing all summer, and when I came back to high school, there was no – I mean performing music, not just playing -hmm. playing music. Uh, And there was no place to play, so I got together with uh, Bruce Stampley and Ron Holloman, and we opened up uh, the Folk Ghetto, which was a wildly successful uh, folk room for a while there. During the folk scare, and and the first uh, well, over the Easter week, the first Easter we were open. That week school was closed, so I was open all week. It was just a, a weekend place before, mm-hmm. but uh, during that Easter week, I I invited Peter Down to be the headliner, and and we filled that room. This is this is, you know, two, maybe three years before the monkeys, we filled that room to capacity uh, six nights in a row, and Peter got this huge article in the. Sunday paper and a wonderful uh interview, which I still have i if I, it's so big because it's a sunday you know mm-hmm. sunday supplement uh, if I can scan it into the computer in chunks uh i'll send it to you maybe you can stitch it together i don't know wow. but uh and anyhow you know that was he told me afterwards that that was the first time he'd ever been booked as peter torque he he was when I met him, he was a banjo player for a group called the Phoenix Singers, uh-huh. which were three guys that were in the, uh, the Belafonte Singers and broke off to do their own thing. So he he was the banjo player in that. When I met him, he was a working musician, but not a uh, not a front man. And I was the first person to give him. I mean, he played in the basket houses in New York, but I was the first person to take him and book him in a room. And you know, and he was floored because he literally said, "Who's going to come and see me?" And I said, "I'll take care of that. You just come on down." And you know what I did. <laughs> Uh, he, you know, he was poor. I was poor. Uh, I sent him the the airfare one way to get down there because I thought, you know, if I send him the round trip, what if he just cashes it and doesn't come? You know.
0: <laughs> so, yeah.
1: So I bought a, I bought him the. I didn't send him the money. I bought him a one way ticket. So. <laughs> wow. <laughs> then I bought him a return trip at the end. There you go.
0: <laughs> well, for oh, for the na- for the people in the nation who. Know of you, but don't really know the backstory. Talk a little bit about how you and Peter met, and and what attracted you to him as a person and and uh, somebody that you decided that you wanted to be friends with.
1: Oh well, it wasn't a, a decision; it was just an evolution. You know, uh, when I met, working with a fake ID in a nightclub in Virginia Beach called the Shadows, and uh, I pretended I was eighteen, although I was seventeen. And he came in, as I say, as the background uh, musician for a, a trio called the Phoenix Singers. And, uh, you know, I just, I was around there all the time while they're doing their sound check. Uh, he, he tells the story of, of me wandering in while they were doing the sound check, and, and this gorgeous blonde waitress was, uh, I mean, movie star gorgeous. Everybody was just in awe of her. And I guess because I knew there was absolutely no chance of me being anywhere near her for real, I would flirt with her like crazy, you know, because I was 17. She was 22. It was like, you know what I mean? It was like, it was harmless. But oh, yeah. anyhow, I came up and I just grabbed her and started dancing with her. And, uh, and Peter had been watching her, you know, from the sidelines. And when he saw me do that, he was, he came over and we just hit it off. And the following week, they were there for two weeks. And the following Monday was the open night, uh, open mic night. And by then, we had uh, we had hung out all week, and we put together a couple of songs and went up there and played the uh, open mic, he and I, together. And that was in 1964. And we were just friends ever since, you know? And uh, as I say, I was out of the country during the monkey phenomenon. But when I came back, I, got a, I, w- I was in music college, and I started playing around Los Angeles, and I played a wonderful place called McCabe's. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, the weekend that I was booked there, uh, Peter came to the show, and I hadn't seen him, you know, in a couple of years. I, you know, what I, I do remember coming down to see him once when I was on leave uh, in the United States. It was in July of 1968. So I guess, uh, I guess the monkeys had, you know, they had happened by then, because I think their first hit was 67.
0: 66, I'm not sure. Yeah, late 60s or summer 66.
1: Okay. Oh, I see. Okay. Oh, you will write it Right. That's right. It was after Monterey Pop Festival. I was living in Monterey then. Uh, then I went over to Taiwan. In any event, I came back and I went down to Los Angeles and I stayed with him. I think he was living on Rogerson Drive then. And I stayed with him one night. And uh, the, the, there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of people hanging around, but I still didn't get it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I guess I hadn't seen the monkeys. I mean, there weren't any monkeys and uh, there were the records, but... But uh, not the show in Taiwan. You know oh sure,
0: I mean. yeah, and and the closest so. they would have come, to, and the closest they would have come to Taiwan touring would have been the Japan tour in '68. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I guess that's so. I mean, I knew he was in the monkeys, of course, because we had stayed, at, you know, in, in uh, some contact. Mm-hmm. But I just say I didn't experience the, the phenomenon, so I always regarded him at, just as my buddy. So it was funny after. You know, when I wrote that that my friend had passed, I got almost a thousand uh, condolence notes on on Facebook. And I thought, what? You know, I, I just didn't realize how famous he was.
0: That was the one thing that uh, Al and I talked about in our
1: tribute when, episode. When, when he, uh, well, I, I, nineteen in the nineteen nineties, uh, I, I already, I had, I've had my own label since nineteen. 86, I think.
0: Beachwood Music. And and
1: before that, I produced my own records and sold them, or actually leased them to to record labels. So, you know, I've been my own guy since uh, about 1979. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, anyhow, by the time the 90s came, I had a label and I had uh, national distribution. And I said to Peter, Peter, why is it that, that all the other monkeys have put out an album and you haven't, a solo album? And he said, Well, I just never got around to it and i said well you know you're not getting any younger i've got a recording studio i've got a label uh i said why don't we do a record on you i said and we'll we'll shop it to the major labels and and uh, if we can't get a deal we like we can always put it out on beachwood and he said okay so we we spent about six months doing uh, stranger things have happened and uh when we finished the album, I said, "Okay, I, now let's let's shop this thing and get you know the most money we can for it, <laughs> because the more money the label puts into it, the more they're inclined to promote it, you know true. Uh, true. But in any event, he said, "You know what, James? I don't want to shop it, man. Let's put it on your label. Let's keep it with us." Mm-hmm. And I said, "Well, if that's what you want." So I mean when you think about it, Peter Torque put out an album on my label. And I didn't have to give him a monstrous advance, which any of the other record labels would have done. I mean, he was, he was just remarkably generous. He, he, money just wasn't part of the, the equation. He, you know, he didn't do music just to make money. He was delighted that money came in, just as I am. But, but uh, neither one of us got into the business to make money. We got into the business to make music. And we've been lucky enough well. to make it our entire lives in a row. Absolutely, them, you know. Absolutely. I mean, I'm just finishing my 35th album, 34th, 35th—I don't know, something like that. Oh, oh, to finish the story. After we did the, I finished the solo album with him. Uh, that was about the time that MTV started doing Unplugged, mm-hmm. and he said, "He said I'm going to go out just with my guitar and do a tour like that. Why don't you come with me and we'll do a, we'll do a, uh, you know, an Unplugged thing?" And I said, "Sure, that'll be fun." So I, I worked up uh, – actually, I, I, he worked up an act, and I worked up an act, and we went out there and toured, and I would open for him. And then uh, somewhere along the line, we'd do some things together, and people started saying, do you guys have an album of what you do together? And we said, well, no, we never even thought about that. You know, I just was doing backgrounds and playing some guitar behind him just to fill out the thing. So we ended by the end of the tour, we had – we had about 10 or 15 songs we worked up. And everybody kept saying, we want that, you know, we want the two of you. So when we came back from the, that tour, we went right in the studio and sat down with uh, with four microphones. And I just turned on the machines and we recorded 10 songs. I, I always thought of it as warts and all because we didn't make it, it wasn't to be a, you know, when you do an album, you're, you're kind of tiptoeing around and you're meticulous. You're trying to get everything exactly right. And this was just the two of us having a grand time sitting in the studio playing together while the recording machines, you know, captured it. Absolutely. And, uh, Absolutely. and, and that record uh, has consistently sold since that's called Two Man Band, and it's just he and I, two guitars, two voices, no overdubs, no fixes, <laughs> no anything. But, you know, so, I mean, I think of it as being, you know, very uh, very casual. Mm-hmm. But people sure love it.
0: Absolutely well, to Al and I have talked about we think stranger things have happened may be one of the best monkey solo albums of them all because it's it Peter is just that, that's him at his best to be perfectly honest. yeah and we all love it, we push it. you know I've, I do not to change the subject for that, but I do a uh, my job at night is I do music bingo events and that's how I make cool. my living now. And the last three nights I've been playing nothing but stuff off of, uh, I've been playing Milkshake, I've been playing Get What You Pay For, uh, Mm MGBGT. you know, and people are liking it, people are, you know, I'm I'm helping people rediscover it, and when you get to the two-man band stuff, two-man band, and once again, they're two of my favorite CDs of all time, and that was what introduced me to you, Uh, because... For three years, uh, you—for uh, three years that I know of, and maybe a little bit more—you guys came uh, to Louisville, North Carolina, which is a little bit That's west great. of Winston-Salem. And you know, I had a blast listening to you doing your solo stuff, Peter doing his stuff, and then the two-man band stuff at night. It just was was an awesome thing, and the fact of it, that it was free. And you won't remember this, but I think it was '98. You and Peter were having dinner at Cracker Barrel after the show. And you graciously allowed me the opportunity to buy you guys dinner.
1: Wow, what a what a generous!
0: Well, you know, it was yeah. My ex-wife didn't think so at the time, but you know, it was something I had to do.
1: For a to the Cracker
0: Barrel. Absolutely, but uh, had
1: some kind of he had some kind of agenda about them, and I said, Peter, it you know, it's a very consistent restaurant. I mean, it's not haute cuisine, but it's always good. It's always fast and the and the waitresses are always pleasant it's, it was always you know, because I eat there frequently, and finally after that he he said, yeah, I mean you know maybe I think he didn't like their politics, maybe that was it.
0: I'm sure he didn't, but you know that to me uh, and if you want, I'll skip ahead so that one of the questions I was going to ask you was, you know Andrew Sandoval is the dean of finding all these things that are unreleased and everything so. That brings to mind: Is there anything left off the two-man band sessions that we haven't heard yet? Just curious.
1: You know what? I do not believe so. Uh, uh, I can tell you that we did them. No, I know for a fact that everything we did, we released. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no, uh, there's nothing, you know, that we decided was enough to snuff because. Uh, no, we picked it. we picked the songs that we were doing in our show and we came back and recorded them so sure. like that. And and I think uh, even on Stranger Things Have Happened, I believe that that we I think we started with we, we picked fifteen songs and we messed with them and we ended up with nine or ten. Ten, I think. And uh, and we didn't record the other ones. We you know we didn't we took the ones that we, we worked out and recorded them. So there's nothing in the vault. Kids. Gotcha. There is a whole lot of live stuff on us. Hello.
0: Yeah, I'm still here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm
1: still here. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, oh, I see. Some truck just uh, came up there. I'm on the top of a mountain here with no traffic, and uh, some truck came by and just made this huge whistling noise. And I thought it was. I thought I'd lost you. <laughs> In any event, uh, where was I?
0: You're talking about all the live stuff that's still available.
1: Oh, that's right. Uh, on on YouTube, there. I mean, there's literally hours of us uh, doing stuff together.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm reminded of the line: you guys were in polling New York, and you got ready to sing. I think it was Touch of Magic, and he says, "What happens in polling stays in polling.
1: Oh, right. that was Touch the- Like Magic. Yeah, that was off the first CD, the first two-man band CD. Yep. It was also on my Right for Distraction album. So, so uh, I did want to mention that I'm in Winston-Salem performing on the Sunday, the seventh of March. I mean April That's
0: Excuse correct yep. Sunday the 7th of April mm-hmm. Yep um, So uh, We're going to plug Everything about you Because they're For people who have not Discovered your music You know You You really have your finger On the pulse Not only socially But The musical soul That you have Is just Amazing I mean They're just
1: Well Well thank you I
0: thank have You know As You know, My you, you know Mickey Mickey Dolenz goes out And does the karaoke For Make-A-Wish mm. now So my goal would be to sing either Stolen Season or, um, uh, yeah, probably Stolen Season is my favorite song of yours. And, but, you know, those, those, the two man band, the, the, the chemistry that you two have together musically is just amazing. And, and that's one of the it's things. It's
1: really sweet, isn't it? I mean, I, I to go back and revisit it over the past, uh, week. You know, I've been, first of all, I didn't realize how tight we were, how, you know, how well rehearsed. You know, because uh, his songs have a lot of chords and a lot of, a lot of little parts, and and uh, and of course there were the monkey songs that we did. You know, I didn't realize that we'd practice so much because my recollection of it is we just had a ridiculously good time. We'd go on stage, and you know, you see photographs or you see the the, the YouTube videos, and just, there's just an enormous amount of of affection and respect and uh, connection there. You know, it's not the kind of thing that you can think. Oh, no,
0: you know? not at all. I mean, there's a there's a genuine friendship, and there's a genuine love that comes from you guys and gets returned to you guys, because I would watch it in concert, and people are just soaking it up, and they're loving every chord, they're loving every note, and the the response that they give is just total genuine, and that just is... Yeah. So, that's the one thing I, I... Also, I mean,
1: the fact that we were both funny, we would like, you know, it was like a little tennis match where we could bat things back and forth to each other and and you know we, we kept reversing the straight man role you know what I mean oh yeah so the, one of us would pitch the joke and the other guy would. but the most amazing thing about it was none of that was uh, something we wrote down and rehearsed all that was just what happened you know just we would get on stage and whatever we said was the act and I'm I just amazed at how funny it was
0: Absolutely, and we, Al, Al, and I, you know, Al, talked about this the other day. He went to Peter's very first show. He seems to think the first time he was in Louisville was on your own. The two times that I saw you guys,
1: no, uh, no, no, Peter was never in Louisville on his own. I remember when uh, the Louisville Arts Council, uh, Marilyn Ingram, from there, contacted us, and uh, and we went out for the first show. We, he, he was never there by himself. It was always us.
0: Well, I remember, I I remember seeing you guys twice because the first show. Was on the uh, was on the patio or the, the wherever I guess it must have been the Arts Council building because they had you had you guys under a tent and then the second year they moved you to the pavilion at this new park that they'd opened I, because
1: right right the first year exactly was the tent and I, I also remember that there was a, a huge wind that came along and uh, and it, it threatened to lift up the tent and Marilyn who probably weighs a hundred pounds uh, grabbed the tent and. As the as the wind lifted it and it lifted her off the ground, <laughs> and and, uh, and I looked up and I saw that and I ran over and, and grabbed a piece of the of the tent and we and we held it you know until the gust was over, <laughs> and she said, you know, with her southern North Carolina draw, you know, no one noticed I was about to be blown away except you, it was very sweet.
0: <laughs> Mar- yeah, Alan Marilyn are still close. As a matter of fact, she's reached out to him. Um, I guess it, there, he he will be there March seventh. I've got to work that night. My and the people that I work with on Sunday nights are not usually good about me putting somebody else in there. So, but I'm gonna uh, do, well, I'm, I'm gonna sorry, do my dude. best. I'm gonna do my best to make it to Winston on the on the seventh. So, <laughs> but one thing you I want. You know,
1: want, know what? Uh, uh, excuse me. Uh, someone also just contacted me about the possibility of doing a house concert on March the 20th in Winston Salem on Saturday night. Because uh, I haven't bought my ticket yet. So I said, well, if we can put that together, great. And if we can't, then uh, I'll go home on the 20th. But in any event, I'll keep you in the loop on that. Oh, absolutely, man. Although you might be working that night, too.
0: Well, the, the great thing about it is is that you you go. You you don't stay in the studio. You are constantly out on the road. And I, and I love that about you. And I'm glad that we're finally getting you back in the state. But going back to the two-man band stuff for just a moment, is sure. there – is there anything really funny because you guys were had such a great banner on stage was there any really funny stories that you could relate to the nation uh, 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 when you guys were playing that you remember
1: uh, I remember one night we were uh, playing at uh, in Altadena which is a suburb of Los Angeles mm-hmm. I remember this because I made up this line that, that uh, Peter thought was so funny he literally went down to his knees howling uh, what had happened is somebody said something about me gaining weight and and I I looked at him and I said yeah it's really a tragedy when, when food replaces sex in your life you can't even get into your own pants and, and, and when I said that Peter fell out. I mean, I, I can still remember. I've never seen him laugh so hard. It was so fun, you know, uh, to see him laugh like that.
0: I, I, I could just see. Yeah. Yeah, that that sounds like just about right for him because one of the cool things when it came to those shows in Louisville that Alan and I talked about, we loved the most was the, you know, the, we got the meet and greets afterwards. You know, you, uh-huh. and those were those were awesome. You know, I, I have a pic, I have a fuzzy picture. Of that night the, That was the uh, The one that they moved to The, the first one they moved to The, uh, the new park And I'm mm-hmm. standing between you two And I look like Steven Spielberg For some reason I don't know it was The way the hair, and the, the hair And the beard I was growing at the time Just looked But it's one of my Cherished memories um, yeah. The fact that um, that, I, that I do have You know I, I got him to autograph The inside cover Of Two Man Band, Which was mm-hmm. uh, That's the One of two Peter autographs That I had um, oh, my. But And you signed it as well So you know, it, it's hey, it, you,
1: if, if I could say something about the autograph sure. uh, He used to sign Best wishes Peter mm-hmm. And and his handwriting was not uh, Easily Decipherable sure. And somebody said to him What does this say, burnt windows? <laughs> and, and Peter started laughing And I swear to God For the rest of his life He signed all of those things Burt windows, Peter Thorpe <laughs> And he might have done it to you, man. Look for things.
0: I, I will, yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll take that one. It's it's in my it's in my drawer dresser upstairs. But is there one or two songs? Excuse me. Off of, Go ahead. Is there one or two songs off of Two Man Band and once again that really stand out in your mind as far as they're your favorites to do with Peter?
1: Yeah, I remember. Uh, our touch like magic was always for me magic. Uh, he always came up with. Uh, with a different solo every night for it and I just got a post on him who said I didn't realize that he had chops and I said yeah he was a player he could play I mean he he, he gave his life to it you know and he got better and better and better uh, in any event I loved doing Touch Like Magic with him I also loved doing uh, uh, All I Ever Wanted which was I think that, that was a it was a song I wrote for my wife but Peter and I did it so sweetly I really really liked that version and I loved playing uh M-G-B-G-T. Just was, I, I mean, I, I was playing this little counterpoint stuff and, and backbeat stuff and it was just it was always fun and a lot of times we would just get into such a a unique groove you know it wasn't it certainly wasn't funk but but it wasn't folk it was like a unique a unique groove uh, between the two instruments it was just fun to play absolutely and, 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 and course, the harmony milkshake that always fun to do you know and people went nuts when we did milkshake.
0: Oh yeah. Well, people go nuts for milkshake because of the on the on the uh, on the Stranger Things that happened. He had two guest singers, and I fr- uh, I forget what their names are at the time, but you know, it was there's something about that one on the Stranger Things that happened that seemed to stand out. But you know,
1: I know that we got uh, when we did Stranger Things, we called uh, John Phillips' daughter Mackenzie, and we called Cass Elliott's daughter Owen, and they came over, and Owen and Mackenzie and I. Did the backgrounds on Giant Step, yeah. and they sounded, we sounded so much like the Mamas and Papas it, it gave you bumps on your arms, yeah. and uh, and when we were doing the mix, Peter said, you know, as much as I love that, James, we gotta knock it back a bit because it, uh, you know, it, I don't want it to be a Mamas and Papas record, it's, you know, and I said, you're right, it's featuring you because I mean, I I was blasted those vocals, I couldn't believe what a magic sound. To, Owen and Mackenzie and I did. We just, you know, it was just, because I I sound, I mean, when I used to know Denny before he was in the Mamas and Papas. Sure. One of the great great voices of the 60s. Exactly. In Virginia Beach, he came down with a band called Halifax Three, and Yanovsky, who was the guitar player in... Uh, Sebastian's band, Love and Spoonful. Uh, he was backing up this Halifax tree And Denny was singing great. And I remember as, as I watched him sing, because I saw every show, every night, two summers in a row, you know? I mean, it was like going to school for, for performance and school for singing. And the way Denny would glide up into the falsetto without a vocal break... Was amazing to me, and I used to, I used to work and work on that so that I could do that too. You know, so when, so when we, when the three of us sang behind Peter, I mean Mackenzie and, and Owen and I, I, I was really emulating Denny, and boy, we sure had the blend. It was really, I, I know when I, I just heard a thing from Owen, and I thought, damn, I'm, I'm gonna. Let's see if we can do one more vocal thing with those two ladies, because I sure love the way we sound.
0: She definitely inherited her mother's talent. That was, that was one of the highlights of it. You know, we joke about Milkshake having having uh, Nez and Mickey as background vocals, and pe- at the time that it came out, people thought that would be the closest you'd ever get to kind of a monkey's reunion. <laughs> little uh-huh. did we little did we know.
1: Yeah. You know what? I, I remember when Davey came out to the studio – because uh, he was going to sing, he was going to sing on Milkshake and and uh, and another one, and he came to the studio with his daughter and and you know we we had some tea and we started he started joking around talking and and then I put him out in the studio and he began he was so funny so spontaneously funny and we're doing all this stuff and all of a sudden his daughter goes dad I have to be at the and he goes what and he jumped up and ran out and he didn't sing on the record oops well I, hey.
0: You know what? You've just given us a, 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 a nugget that nobody else has. I
1: love that story. That's awesome. Yeah, it was so funny because he left it. I went, Peter, and he goes, I know. It was a whirlwind romance, and we didn't even get kissed.
0: Wham, bam. See you later.
1: Oh, funny. He was a good guy. You know what? Davey, every time that I played, uh, Davey had a place in Florida, a place in Pennsylvania, and if I played near there, I always. Uh, you know, sent him a post saying, "Look, I'm I'm playing. If you want to come to the show, let me know, or I'll just put you on the door." And he always called me or sent me an email. And you know, James, I'm not in Florida, but thanks. And he was a very gracious, dude. I liked him a lot. I wrote on my uh, 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 the Apocaloptimist album. I wrote it uh, the day Davy died.
0: Well, it's it's kind of funny that you and I are talking, uh, reminiscing about Peter on the seventh anniversary of David's unfortunate uh, uh, unfortunate yeah. passing as well. So, but one of the things Isn't that it
1: seventh,
0: did you say? No, it's actually today is yes, yeah, seventh anniversary, 229-2012. Uh,
1: I can't believe that. Yeah, I know. That long ago.
0: Yep. But as uh, as we always say jokingly, leave it to David to go out on a leap year, so we don't have to celebrate it every four years. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Really. Wow. But the one thing I was, was going to go back to the two man banter for a second. One of the things that I also enjoyed not only was the the guitar playing, but the the harmonies that you two have were just magical to me, and that was what made the album. Yeah, it
1: was pretty fun. Pretty fun. I'm looking at.
0: You. I was looking at. I remember. I was telling you. I wanted. I'd love to be able to sing "Stolen Season." The other one is Two Wrongs." I love the guitar part on Two Wrongs. That is just you know, that—that's really you guys at your best when it comes to guitars, to me.
1: Oh, Two Wrongs? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that's that's. Uh, I I played lead on two songs on this album, and Two Wrongs was one of them. I can't remember what the other one was. Oh, maybe it was Everybody Knows. In any event, I, yeah, I played, the, I played the lead on two wrongs.
0: And, and, and it's a great ball, but "Stolen Season" is is always going to be my favorite song of yours because I just love the lyrics of it. And I will be, uh, it is on my phone, and when it pops up, I'll start singing loud. And people, I'll be driving out, and people will be looking at me like, "What is that guy? What is wrong with him? Is he having a? <laughs> is he having an attack or something?"
1: I'm glad you like that song. I, I I know that when I wrote it, I thought. I think this song might be a hit, but uh, so far I've been wrong.
0: <laughs> but, I, uh, to, to but it's early hit. yet. That's true.
1: That's true. Yep. You yeah. know what I decided to do? Listen to this for stupidity. I have a record label and I have Peter Torque, four albums on Peter Torque and I, or three albums of E and I, and one album of him. And I've never submitted one of those songs to a film or a TV show. Wow. And uh, and I realized that I have a lot of connections, and I'm gonna I'm gonna submit these songs and uh, see what we can do to keep Peter rolling.
0: Well, you I'm glad I mean? I'm glad that I inspired you to do that, man. That's great. <laughs> but
1: yeah, you know that once I'm looking at once again now that that really was a good record. Uh, this, this one we not, this one was made more like a record because we knew mm-hmm. it was a record. You know what I mean? When we came back, we it was just a goof to make two man band. We just thought it would be fun. And and we did it quickly. I think we recorded the whole album in you know, like three three days, two days, something like that. But but uh, once again, we worked on for a, a couple of weeks.
0: And, and it's the once again has some great bulldozer is is a really cool. Yeah, I I, I like the lyrics in bulldozer. I I enjoy that. Um, dirty job is also. You know,
1: re- yeah, yeah, I like dirty job. Like, you know what? I, let me tell you, bulldozer came about because. Uh, I was reading an article in the Smithsonian Magazine about the fact that uh, most people on earth are either, uh, their mindset, this guy had, his article was, was putting forth the idea that the mindset of people, they're either bulldozers or they're windmills. You know, a, a windmill doesn't do anything to the environment, it simply does the job and, uh, you know, and a bulldozer just goes in and knocks everything down and he said that people fall into those two categories. It made me laugh. Wow. So I wrote that song from that. Like and "Dirty that. Job," man, there was a there was a movie that never came out, a uh, a vampire movie, way back uh, in in the early '90s, and they asked uh, they asked me to write a song for it. Mm-hmm. So so I wrote uh, "Dirty Job," and it's it's essentially about a vampire talking to some woman. That's what the But dig this. When Tom and I were writing the song, Tom Campbell, great songwriter from Nashville. At one point, uh, you know, when you're writing a song, you you just do a lot of goofing and a lot of free association. And just to fit in the rhyme, I wrote the line. And besides, there's still be time to save the whale. And we and we both laughed at what a non sequitur it was and how silly it was for a vampire to be talking about saving the whales, you know. But when we finished the demo, I said, you know what, Tom? I said every time that I put a song in a film, some attorney or some music director or somebody wants to change something. I said, let's put that line in there, and then that will be the red herring that they'll chase, and that'll be the line that they'll change, and then we'll then we'll put the original line back in. And he said. You think? I said, Let's give it a whack. Sorry, man, this cough is killing me. All right. Anyhow, we put the line in and we submitted it. And they come back and they go, James, we love the song. It's you know, it's gonna be a title tune to the film. We love it. And listen, we know how much you care about the environment. But we're thinking that maybe this line about saving the whales is a little bit outside of the thing. Do you think you could come up, if you come up with another line to replace that, we'll use the song. We'd like And I said, you know what, you you've nailed it. It's really important to me about the whales, but but uh, I'll call Tom and we'll see what we can do. And I called Tom Campbell and I said, they bought it. We howled, we howled about that. So then we put the original line back in and they and they used the song in the movie, but then the movie never came
0: out. That that's one of the things I really love about you. you you are an amazing storyteller not only in lyric but in, in, in conversation And um, as we get ready to, to wind this down I want to let everybody know that your website is JamesLeeStanley.com and if you're a Peter sure. fan not only can you buy uh, Once Again and Two Man Band but if you really want to hear what the great stuff is when you when James and I have been talking about this there is uh, one there called Live Backstage at the Coffee Gallery, which will give you the essence of what Al and I fell in love with uh, when it came to them performing in Louisville. So.
1: Oh, yeah, that's that's a lovely album. I Actually, I just had to go to manufacturing and, and do another run of it because uh, people liked it so much, you know. I mean, CD sales have gone in the toilet, nobody, you know, so... Uh, I wasn't expecting. You know, I I used to do runs of thousands, but I I backed off because there's so much streaming that goes on. I just put everything up on streaming, and they can, you know, they can stream everything. You know, except for the fact that nobody gets paid except Pandora and Spotify. The artists get screwed, and you can quote me on that.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely,
1: but 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 anyhow, there's there there was a demand, and so I I, uh, I ran off some more, and then I I guess with the with the surprise of Peter's uh, demise, they people may I don't know if they want it they can get it from me.
0: Absolutely, and and I want to plug your latest album without Susie. And oh, thank you. Of course, man. Look, yeah, you know, I you know that I've been wanting to get you on for a long time, and I and I will be more than happy to plug anything that you've got because you and I stand shoulder to shoulder you, you notice that I always agree or I laugh yeah. at, at your Facebook yeah. post because we're we're politically aligned
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and we're vocal I, I mean I sincerely believe that we're at a, at a tipping point we either we either say this Republic or we don't have one I really think we are there yesterday's testimony was absolute proof not one Republican asked that man a question about Trump not one and then
0: they it they dragged that employee out. Of, yeah, um, yeah. The, was it H? Uh, was it HUD? And yeah, said, yeah, Adam pre- was right. yeah, the president. Tr- yeah, the the president is not a racist. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, and I invented liquid paper, so it's like you know. Yeah, no, it,
1: it's more than that. This is a, this is a dishonorable, dishonest man who, who has Everybody lived a life of, of entitlement and disregard for anyone else he is he is definitely a, a you know a damaged narcissist who is not prepared for the job and who does not bring he doesn't bring the the honor and integrity that the job requires that's that's like that man is, is the, the face of America and I am so ashamed and embarrassed. That this is so right now, I'm fighting it tooth and nail. That's right. right. Enough. It. Yeah.
0: That would lead me to plug your the 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 last album before without Susie, which um, which to me harkens back to to the to the days of Buffalo Springfield, to the days of uh, um, oh Lord, I just went blank. Um, even Barry McGuire. Yeah,
1: had enough yet? Songs of protest resistance yeah. yeah, well, hope. yeah. You know, I started saying that phrase on. Facebook, when George Bush declared a, a, a illegal war in, in uh, Iraq, that's when I started saying, hey, guys. No, actually, it was before that. It was when the Supreme Court appointed the president, when they said, you know, we don't have time to count the votes. George is president. I just went, what? I thought we were going to have a revolution, and we didn't. So I started writing, hey, have you had enough yet? Is this the America you want? Have you had enough yet? And then after a while, it became... You know uh, I mean I've now, I'm now seeing other people On Facebook Using that phrase Had enough yet Had enough yet yep. you know? So I made a, a An album that I've been doing Protest songs Since the 80s I mean uh, Yeah actually There's always been There's always been Some kind of protest song, Some kind of Environmentally conscious songs On my album so That's just one of my Concerns You know So I did that But the new album to get back, that it. is called without Susie, and uh, I did it up here on the mountain. I live on uh, 5,500 feet on top of this mountain, uh, and, uh, and the mountain is between the Mojave Desert and uh, and the San Joaquin Valley. So, and I'm up at like 5,500 feet, so I, I'm above this, the snow line. We, I mean, I've got three feet of snow right now. Yep. I know. As I, I was going to say, I was going to say,
0: if you're going to give you, are you able to get out now? But.
1: Yeah, well, uh, yeah, We could. I left one car. At the. I, fortunately, I was on tour when the snow fell, and so when I came driving back, I left the car at the bottom. I was about a 100-yard driveway, and I left the car at the bottom of the driveway. Schlepping stuff up through three feet of snow is a pain in the ass, but, you know, what are you going to do? Anyhow, the point I was going to make was that this album, Without Susie, uh, I started it here on the mountain, and I wrote all the songs up here on the mountain, and, and they're different. And and also, because when I lived in L.A., I mean, I could call Lawrence Duber from Wings or Paul Barrer from Little Feet or Timothy Schiff from the Eagles, and they just would come over and play and sing, you know? But now I live two and a half hours from there, and you need snow tires or four-wheel drive to get up to my house. So nobody came, you know what I mean? It was like, I mean, what happened is I ended up singing and playing every note on this album, and... Uh, it was really fun. It was something different from what I've ever done before.
0: Outstanding.
1: Yep. So I, I think you'll dig it. I think, it's the, I think it might be some of the best songs I ever wrote, and that's kind of gratifying because most of the time, the longer you stick around, uh, the less, I don't know. It's A lot of guys that were so great when they were in their 20s aren't so great now. And I'm, I'm better than I've ever been. It's very gratifying.
0: I totally forgot. the. Uh, I was studying your website before we called. And, and uh-huh. there's something on there that is abs- that actually has a monkey's connection, but it's not Peter related. And that is and that is the album called Sweet Joy, by Hamilton Camp.
1: Oh my yes, yeah.
0: Hamilton Camp. For those of you that are uh, studied the TV show, uh, was the assistant Philo to Lester Cram on Monkeys at the Movies. He is a wonderful character actor.
1: Yes, he he was also uh, on the Mary Tyler Moore show mm-hmm. as as her blind date. But I, uh, Hamilton was only like five two or five three, and Mary Tyler Moore was five eight or five nine, and uh, and so the, the the joke was that she meets this little tiny man and, and uh, ends up liking him anyhow. So uh, he was in that. He was also uh, a, a very well known and well regarded folk singer in the in the '60s. He was managed by Albert Grossman, and he and Bob Gibson who uh, Bob Gibson wrote uh, Abilene and uh, so many, so many hit songs. Well, 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 there were huge folk hits. Anyhow, the two of them had a band, uh, a duo, and they made an album called Gibson and Camp Live at the Gate of Horn, which was the club that Albert Grossman owned in Chicago. And that album was the very first gold folk album. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, he was in it a long time. And listen to this, man. When he came to me, he said he wanted me to produce his album, H- Hamilton did. And I said, well, Hamilton, I said, I don't, you know, let me hear what you're doing. And if I can't serve your vision, I'll, I'll help you find somebody that, that can. And he was he was 70 years old at the time. And he, he went into the, he sat down in the studio with me and started playing and he had been practicing. And I was floored that somebody 70 years old was practicing, you know, and trying to get better. I thought that was that was inspirational. And, uh, and he was also very good. I said, "Never mind, stop. Let's just, I, said, I know what to do. Let's, let's start this album. So we did the album, and it was a dedication to his wife who passed away. I knew her, a lovely woman, Rashad. In any event, uh, the, the day we finished recording everything, he stood on my doorstep, and he said, so, James, is there anything else I have to do for this album? And I said, no, it's up to me now. I said, I'll do, uh, you know, I'll do the mixing and the mastering, and we'll... We'll put it out And he said okay And he went home And died Oh man That I mean the next day uh, w- My wife and I Couldn't believe it Because we loved him So much You know
0: Well you know It just it just goes to show you That you are Woven into the Monkeys family Not only through Peter But through others Whether you like it or not So.
1: Yeah there's no Getting around You know I, Actually I, I was hoping you, you know that All Wooden Stones thing I did Are you aware of that I believe so yes Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did all these Stone songs like uh, Crossey Stills and Nash, oh. and, uh, and I, did, well, I was hoping that uh, we could open up for the monkeys, because I thought it would have been a natural, you know, it's doing these acoustic versions of Stone songs. But it never worked out. It was one of my regrets, you know.
0: But, I mean, and you've got not only all wooden stones, you've got all wooden doors, which is that's true. Yeah, two volumes
1: of, of all wooden stones, one volume all wooden doors, and now I'm just finishing uh, all wood and lead with uh, Dan Navarro.
0: Oh all man. I I cannot wait for that That's going to be That's going to be Nothing short of awesome I can just see it now
1: It's pretty cool I'm I'm amazed How much uh, Because I mean I I didn't really know The the Led Zeppelin That was Dan called me And said Listen I want to do One of these things with you And I want to do Led Zeppelin I said well You know I don't know any Led Zeppelin So he sent me All the albums You know
0: Hey Does your record collection Good doesn't it man Yes it
1: does Yeah they're stacked up on my studio right now
0: JamesLeeStanley.com You can check out Without Susie You can check out Had Enough I know I always know That your Facebook post Is going to be great When I see the word Ahem
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah I do that a lot You do Uh, Now I actually I was going to try For the next week To not go on Facebook Just to see if I could do it Because It's starting to eat up A lot of my life You know But what I'm trying to do Is Influence as many people As I can Not to vote the way I I vote, but to simply think about what's happening and think about the history of our country and think about our Constitution and, you know, just think about it and consider where we were and where we are.
0: Absolutely. And I stand beside you 100% on that, my friend,
1: always. Yeah. Well, oh, listen, there's a great new song on the album uh, called Dark Road, which I wrote with a a songwriter named Wyatt Easterling, who is from Winston-Salem cool yeah and and uh, it, you talk about buffalo springfield i really tried to get that uh, for what it's worth kind of feel to the song it came out very cool it's called dark road and it's on without Susie. Uh,
0: well, we'll definitely check it out now uh once you get over the cold we know you're going back onto the road so i'm looking at the upcoming show so uh, if you're listening to the uh to the podcast and uh would like to go see him here's where he's going to be uh, upcoming shows: March 8th, he'll be in East Troy, Wisconsin. And I always love the club names TBA. You know, they, they they seem to be everywhere all over the country. You
1: know? so. Oh yeah, actually, I, I do have the name of it now, but I didn't know it when I when I put up. I, thanks for reminding me. I'm going to have to go change that. Mm-hmm. All
0: right, so what's the name of the club? I've
1: oh. got to turn my computer on and look. Right. It's a place I've never played before, so I didn't. Uh... I
0: understood. And then the next night, you travel from East Troy to Skokie, Illinois, at St. Timothy's uh, Coffee House. Right. Uh, On the 10th, you will be at Chicago Acoustic Underground in the Windy City.
1: Yeah, right downtown.
0: And these are two dates that our our good friend, the Florida's Queen, Jamie Telgren, should be uh, interested in. Uh, 11th and The the 11th and 12th. uh, I know she lives in Iowa. I'm not sure specifically where yet, but... uh, on the 11th and 12th, you'll be in Mount Vernon, Iowa. On the 11th, at Little Fest concert, House Concert. And then at the Palisades Cafe on the 12th.
1: Yeah. And the 13th, I'll be at the Shank Hall in, in Milwaukee. And the 15th, I'll be at uh, Deer in Rockford, Illinois. I, I played this club for the first time uh, last year, and it was wonderful. Great sound, great, great people, great room. A uh, free goods, it's called free, free goods. goods. Great. And then on, on uh, the next night, I'm, I'm uh, up in Fort Atkinson, Wisconsin, at uh, the Cafe Carp. So I'm playing the eighth, the ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth, and thirteenth, fifteenth, uh, and sixteenth, and then I'm coming home on the second. That's actually a lot of days for an old guy.
0: Not not bad for not bad for a seventy-two-year-old singer-songwriter. So,
1: but almost also, seventy seventy-three in April.
0: Uh, well, you don't. I, I will tell you, you you don't sound it, and you. I know your you, your attitude belies your age. Uh, also, I want to remind you, if you're in or around Winston Salem on April the seventh, that's a Sunday. Uh, they will James Lee will be performing in Winston Salem. Uh, do you remember the venue off the top of your head?
1: Uh, you know what, man? Let me see if I can just pull it up on my phone real fast. I think it's the R's. Oh. Give me a sec. Give me one sec. I'll get it. Absolutely. James Stanley appearances. Okay. March. I mean, April. Sorry. God, uh, I'm really working a lot. Oh, there it is. It's the ARTC Theater on 6th Street in Winston-Salem. On Sunday, April seventh at seven
0: PM. There it is. If if you really want to have a great time, you want to hear some out. You want to hear a. a I mean, this he's been recording for for decades now, folks. He's one of the truly unsung singer songwriters out there. You know, he, who knows? You're you're going to have fun. You're going to be. You're going to love the music. You're going to love the. And if you listen to the lyrics, you're going to love them. And you're going to make you think. So, James Lee. Um, this has been a wonderful visit for me. I'm glad that we get to connect uh, I, after all
1: this time, Dude, man, you, Thanks for inviting me. I appreciate even it.
0: Even though you, ha- you have no idea who I am, you don't remember me, but that's fine.
1: <laughs> I remember I you. Will. The big I thing. will. But, all uh, you have to do is quit your job and start coming to my show. Absolutely. Well, like I say,
0: uh, I know Al will be there, so I I know he's yeah, – Marilyn is trying to get him as part of the backstage crew as a reward for – Oh, good. Uh, so – but he'll be uh, – hopefully okay. he'll be there, but – um. Thank you for reminiscing about Peter. Uh, we all feel your loss, and sure, like I said, yeah. we are hashtag monkey strong again. But you yeah. are you are one of my idols. You're one of my heroes, and I wish you nothing but to get better soon, continued success, and don't ever stop turning out. You know, Until they put you in the grave, I know you'll turn out outstanding that's, music.
1: That's my plan, man. Thank you so much. All take right, my care.
0: friend. Take care of yourself.
1: Bye. This is a presentation of the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion, a monkey's podcast.